Welcome to Drunk Time Comics Podcast 388. Lynn's here. Anthony, Anthony, hey. And Josh. And Josh. Special guest Josh in the house. <laughs> Josh the producer, who weighs in at every once in a while. Actually, more than I thought you were going to. Oh, yeah. I'm, glad I'm you... a little rusty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you hooked up the microphone, though. Uh, Tony's away, and Charles is missing. So, <laughs> yeah. this is the crew this week, and most likely next week as well. So, um, I hope you enjoy our superior sound quality, as we all have microphones this week. Orderly discussions yeah. and just a general lack of chaos and nobody chastising us after the podcast because we didn't do enough research. It was just yes, really good. Just an ongoing commentary from our cat throughout. Yeah, yeah. Frodo, Frodo popped in to let us know he was angry for not being included. Yeah. Uh, I reviewed. Um, what the fuck did I review? You had. Uh, <laughs> Safe sex. Ah, yes. yes. I you safe sex. They turned into a whole conversation, so I feel like I completely lost the fact that we were talking about a comic book. <laughs> uh, I reviewed Once in the Future number two. Uh, great book. Yeah. Got into a little spidey news, some Joker news. That was really, I mean, that's the news. Yeah. Spider and Joker. Spider and Joker. Yep. Spider Joker. That sounds terrifying. Oh. Anyway, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy Drawing Con Comics Podcast 388, Lizard Brains and Booty Shorts. Mm. Sounds like a good dinner. Cesspools. Of germs. Cesspools. Yeah. yeah. Little bits of vomit. <laughs> I don't know what you guys normally do over at Tony's. <laughs> no, we're talking about karaoke <laughs> microphones. Oh, yeah. Drew hasn't vomited on a karaoke microphone. I mean, Ugh. then you're not doing karaoke. It's a little bit too close yeah. to your mouth, maybe then. Right. <laughs> Are we going? Did you hit record? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I before there was any large awkward gaps of silence while, while I was gathering my thoughts. <laughs> um. So we're here in studio. I don't know what we named this one. D. I double think it was D. D. F. Z. I don't care. Um. Tony's in Germany, probably dying right now. Yep. Of alcohol poisoning. Loving or syphilis, because he did go to Amsterdam. <laughs> He's loving every evening and hating every day. Yes. The entire day. Yes. Um, so it's just Anthony and me today and Josh. I should say Josh is here too. I'm here too. Josh is here too. He's our <laughs> he's our producer for the day, hooking us up with our own separate microphones. It's like a luxury this week. You know, this all, is amazing. We'll see, we'll see how well it turns out. It's I can have levels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a guarantee that it's going to sound better than normal because usually we're all screaming into a microphone in the middle of the table. Yep. And then Tony doesn't do anything after that. Just post. <laughs> Cut and post. <laughs> yep. Keep it so, simple. So uh, Charles is still MIA. 
If anyone sees Charles, tell him we're worried about him. <laughs> I haven't heard or seen him in weeks, really. Yeah, he did pop up on the internet to post some things randomly, but then just as quickly disappeared, so. I guess he's lost forever now. We'll find him on a street somewhere and be like, come on, Charles, come in out of the cold. Anybody sees a ginger Jesus looking character, <laughs> uh, pull him inside and slap him across the face a couple of times. <laughs> so, Is that how you guys found him? Originally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's why we, it's like a cat street. that you lose and you're like, it'll eventually come home for food and water. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, okay, so I have a ton of books this week, but you brought over a giant I did. Um, I've been playing catch up, uh, so I had to do some special orders to get the different Pox and Hox books. Um, catch up on those. Uh, I'm trying to keep up. I love that you call them Pox and Hox. It took me a minute. So yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I originally about? had no idea until the comic guy in Virginia actually said it. And I was like, that is so much easier than yeah. having to say two names that are spelled the same and pronounced differently. So it's <laughs> all going backwards. Yeah. Although it is the House of Ten in that. So yeah. technically he's wrong, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just like, okay, Pox and Hox, sounds good. That guy, that guy said it, and he's way nerdier than I am, so that gives me a license. Uh, I've been trying to keep up with the Carnage stuff. There's just so many. Yes. There's so many. So I'm chunking through them one day at a time to get there. Um, the one that I really want to talk about, I didn't bring it with me, but Once in Future, number two was very good. I really like this concept. I hate that it's only going to be like six issues. I wish there were more. Yeah, you'll, you'll hate and appreciate that. It's kind of like, you know, I always think about like anime. When I watch a new anime, I don't want it to be 700 episodes long because mm -hmm. there's going to be so much filler and just stuff that I don't care about. A good 50 to 60 episodes, a couple seasons, a story is built, characters are introduced, story's completed, I feel good about it. So I'll be happy when it's done, the fact that it's a complete story. Great art. Um, I like that the typical young white male character is just a total idiot who's constantly freaking out all the time. And Grandma's like, please shut up. Like, mm -hmm. you're embarrassing me, basically. <laughs> you gotta say stealth. And obviously there's be stealthy and he screws it up, steps on a twig, and drops a thing. It's kind of his, seems to be his thing. She's like, you know how to shoot a gun, right? Never shot a gun before, throws a gun to him. It's like, this guy is just out of his element. And I hope that maintains the whole thing. I hope he doesn't get like some sudden inherited powers to kill crazy beasts, blah, blah, blah. But it's he's cool. more relatable if he's just like us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, in reality, if my grandma showed up and said, you know, King Arthur is coming back to life, we have to slay him. I'd be like, hold up, what? And then <laughs> the questing beast shows up and you have to run from that. And it's just, it's worth it to uh, see him be kind of more realistic with crazy assassin. Why do they have to kill Arthur? I thought he was the good guy. So it plays on the prophecy that the once and future king will return to create like this era of peace. I'd have to look up the exact quote, but basically they're saying it's not that he's returning to bring order, uh, order in the way that you want it. It's like bad guy order, you know, Victor Von Doom style order. Mm. Where he's got his own control. So in book number two, he, uh, about in the middle of it, they've got the one kind of researcher lady 
who's leading all the, the grunts into opening the grave that's got uh, one, the sheath for the sword, which is the actual power. Excalibur's great, but it's about the sheath that gives you like immortality. And so they play on that concept and uh, all of the uh, grunts get turned into his knights, but they're kind of zombie knights. So first he slays them because they are not uh, Britons, they are Saxons, and so he was fighting against the Saxons. And so um, the only only the researcher lady is allowed to maintain her hold on life because she's actually a Brit. I think she's Scottish, and they plan that. That's what it was. But you have to be an actual Briton in order to hmm. not be killed. I'm gonna make a prediction <clears throat> that. At the end, his actual objective was to kill Guy Ritchie. <laughs> that movie. Yep. <laughs> he won't know, and then he'll see it and be like, you know what? That whole nice little round table thing, off the table. This yeah. is what we got to do. This is written by Karen Gillan, so I feel like throwing pop culture into it would make total sense. Normally he writes oh. about music stuff. He used to be a music journalist. He wrote yeah. Wicked and the Divine and yeah. Phonogram and all that stuff. So You do get to see Arthur on the cover. So that is Arthur. Oh, he looks right like there. the... He's got the Excalibur, which is crazy, but the, the key is actually the little... Uh, he looks like a zombie? zombie? He's all skeleton -y. Yeah. When he Well, yeah. he's a skeleton when he comes up, and it's very... Uh, if you've seen The Mummy, you know how he gains life. So he basically absorbs uh, life from the minions. Oh and gain some skin, but he hasn't killed enough guys yet, so he's still that fleshy skeleton kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, like the Crypt so, Keeper. Yeah. Yeah. He'll need to kill some more dudes to get that beautiful blonde hair, blue-eyed, Brit British Arthurian figure. Fun. So. Uh, I have to apologize to everyone for my cat in the background. He's usually not this <laughs> noisy. <laughs> That's perfect timing. I think he's having some problems over there, so. <laughs> He's being extra noisy like, today. Like, I'm here too. <laughs> I, I don't have a mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any other books you wanted to Oh, jeez. Um, Absolute Carnage versus Deadpool. I read that this week. As That's my, the only one I have not read. You are welcome series. to borrow it. And it is, it's fun. I mean, it's Deadpool. Uh, it's a nice little bit of pseudo-levity um, in his um, anarchist way. Uh, to a awful, awful story, you know, where everybody, everyone's like, fight, and you're like, maybe they'll make it. End of book. They didn't make it. You mm -hmm. know, every single hero is getting consumed by this. So, uh, it's nice that uh, you get to see him as uh, his symbiote form, and um, great art, lots of fun. Not too many fourth wall comments. Um, a little bit of Spider-Man, Deadpool interaction at the beginning, which is always a fan favorite, so... Very good. Just I'd, I'd say about the same level as the rest of them. You know, you get a little singular character highlight. What's his objective? Um, who's his target once he becomes a symbiote? And you get a little bit of his personal anger and a little bit of the symbiote's objective to revive Null. I can't imagine Deadpool as a symbiote. I feel like there's enough chaos there already. Frodo, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we actually picked up that one, so it's just out of nowhere. You <laughs> Me just yelling said that. at the cat to yeah. shut up. Um, anyway, I lost my train of thought thanks to the meowing cat. I read the Miles Morales Absolute Carnage number two this week. I'm not going to review it. I feel like we cover Absolute Carnage every week. 
Um, and these single issues are always usually really good in the first one, and then they go to the next ones, mm -hmm. and it's like, all right, well. They're almost like Monster of the Week style yeah. stories, where yes, they're all connected, but you really couldn't, could just miss all of them. You could, and that's what I hate about events like this, is some of, some of those single issues and those alternate series are good, they're not important, so why? I mean, I guess maybe it adds to it a little bit, but it also adds to the fatigue. Mm -hmm. If you're having to read five books a week about an event, my pocketbook doesn't like it, and yeah, my brain no, no. just gets overloaded with it. I mean, I just want the event to end at some point in time, and I'm kind of getting to that point with this event. It's like, what? where are you going? What's going to happen? Somebody resolve this. <laughs> I think the concept is cool, and from like a one standpoint, I say, it's great that you don't have to read all of them, you know, because past events you will have had to read all of them because each one's a piece of the continuing story. This one's like, here's the main line, and then here's all your other characters. So pick your favorite characters and read about them. That's right. what I would recommend. It, don't try to read all of them unless you like spending money. Right. You know? <laughs> if you really want to spend money, this is your chance. <laughs> um, there's some cool variant covers too. Uh, that was one thing I was looking at is um, one of the covers I got for uh, one of the card entries, I forget which one it was, I think it's this one, which is, it's just the Absolute Carnage, uh, number three, but there's some really cool covers on it. Oh yeah, that one's the Goblin. Yep. Oh yeah, that's really cool looking. Goblin symbiote, a um, little extra cash, obviously, but uh, there's some, I mean, there's, there's yeah. so many, there's obviously opening four variants. I highly recommend going to Vault of Midnight to get alternate covers because they do not upsell their comics. But if you're out of town, I guess you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, so the book I really want to talk about this week is called Safe Sex. And it's actually SFSX on the cover. Probably because somewhere somebody was like, you can't put the word sex on a comic book cover. What if we make the E hollow? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have a fill. <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah. So this is written uh, by Tina Horn and drawn and colored by Michael Dowling. Both people I have not heard of before. Um, but this is from Image. So that makes sense because, you know, they're all about introducing new people to comics. Um, this is very much a Handmaid's Tale sort of book. Okay. If you, <laughs> this is going to be a weird phrase that I'm about to utter, if you mixed porn with The Handmaid's Tale. Someone already has. So I, I'm it's not sure, that I'm sure there is <laughs> probably, this is not The Handmaid's Tale sort of parody porn already out there, which is. Handjob's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> If that is not a thing yet, it, it is now. Oh, Somebody yeah. heard that and it's being made <laughs> right. currently. They didn't have a title yet, but now they do. <laughs> and the dot com's gone. And the three sequels already done. Oh, it's um, already in family video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably. Um, so basically, in this world, the main character is a sex worker. They, She's part of this uh group where that i mean that's what they do they it's a building 
where people can go and have all of their fantasies realized mm -hmm. sexually and probably in other ways too, but mostly sexually, like a hedonistic sort of temple, mm -hmm. I, you know. Um, but in the background is this organization that's rising up to bring the world back to morality. So very much like The Handmaid's Tale, mm, okay. where you shouldn't be having sex out of wedlock and you shouldn't be dressing provocatively. And it's all being done under the guise of feminism. Mm -hmm. Because in this new feminism, we realize that we're the reason guys debase themselves oh. and want to have sex so often. It's because of women. So as feminists, we should do our best to not provoke men to their debased urges. Yeah, are there no gay people in this? Oh, no, there are. Okay. That's why it's just, it's religious-based, right, this whole okay. movement. So I'm okay. sure they completely ignore alternate sexualities mm -hmm. than the normal, I'm using air quotes, normal yeah. man plus woman sort of thing. Um, and in the beginning of the book, the this organization, this, this workplace, that uh, the character works at, the dirty mind is what it's called, gets raided and people get arrested and blah, 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 blah. And this is like the beginning of the, the movement to bring morality back to the world. And then you jump forward a few years later mm -hmm. after this raid and the main character, Avery, and her boyfriend have gotten married so that they can have sex because you're not allowed to have sex out of wedlock. And is this like a so it's like an authoritarian world, but with the base being focused around like sexual purity? Yes. Gotcha. Well, and just general purity, at, you know, over everything. Mm -hmm. So everyone's all repressed, yep. basically, um, under the guise that that makes the world a better place. And this takes place in San Francisco, which <laughs> San Francisco is like. It's hard to tame. <laughs> I mean. Goodness you know, gracious. California is a very liberal state. San Francisco probably championed that movement. Shining diamond. In that direction. Yeah. Um, but you, like, they have to report every time they have sex as a married couple. Oh, wow. Like, you actually have to... Are they trying to make sure that people don't do it too much? I think maybe. Or that you're only doing it for, like, reproduction. reproduction? Mm. So if you're doing it too often, or if maybe, I don't know, they haven't gotten too far into that, but like, in my head, I'm like, do they track women's cycles to know when they're at like their peak fertility? Because if you're having sex outside of that, then you're clearly not doing it for reproductive mm -hmm. purposes, and it's like... Or are they like, no, that's too far. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me, it that's makes where they me do the line. really anxious to think about like being monitored in that sort of way. Yeah. And like, I also think that um, this form of feminism, super insulting to both genders, because, right, I mean, I know lots of men who aren't it gets rid. It gets rid of the conscious aspect. Yeah. It's all, oh, it's all just lizard brain that I can't right. control. It's like, hold up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're wearing too tight of a shirt, so therefore men can't control themselves mm -hmm. around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sort of thing. And, but, you know, men wear whatever you want. Because women can control themselves, which is not true. News note on this subject, I read this week, and I think it's 12 or 13 states, have now legalized women being topless in public. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Really? Good. I actually recently was reading a Reddit about that, and, and somebody commented, like, I'm from Canada. We've had that for a while. I have yet to see a topless woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It might be legal. It yeah. doesn't mean you're going to see it. And it's yeah. always the, I always hear the, um, like, nude beach or mm-hmm. nude resort. It's not, you know, models out there. No. It's 60-plus <laughs> no. women yeah. Yeah. who are like, yeah. I didn't care Anyways, this is yeah. just the legal place. I right. Can it, you know. Yeah. It's a little. It's the funny aspect of you know you go on a family vacation and you're 13 year old boy and you're like I heard there's a nude beach near here we mm-hmm. can go and they show up and they're just disappointed. The whole yeah. Time. Yeah. Like that scene from Euro Trip where they go to the nude beach and it's just a bunch of dicks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of dudes yeah. walking around. Yeah. I mean, you know. As a woman, I don't know if you guys know this, but as a woman, wearing not wearing a bra can be very uncomfortable. So I wouldn't be hopping around town without mm-hmm. a shirt on because, like, my boobs would hurt by the end of the day. Yeah. Well, there is the uh, Seinfeld episode. I always remember where she, the one lady is walking, she's like the rich woman. She gets a bra as a gift, and she thinks it's, like, just a top. And so oh, she's walking yeah. around with a bra yeah. and then a jacket on. Car accident. wore a bra. Yeah, so and then was like, get it. Kramer yeah. sues her because he got in a car accident because she was distracting on the street. Mm. Yeah. You know. That's, it's chaos. That should, be, that should be the start point for this comic book. Is that episode uh, of Seinfeld. Yes. <laughs> and yes. everything was built off of that. Um. If you are uncomfortable with graphic sex in your comic books, do not read this comic mm-hmm. because it does it is graphic at the beginning. I mean, they're in like a sex den. There's just all kinds of sex going on in this. And um, I even, and I love sex and graphic stuff. And I worked at a Vegas store this old porn. So I figure that I'm pretty immune to that stuff by now. But even at the beginning, I was like, oh. Yeah. It's almost like you have to... Uh, desensitize yourself towards it again. Right. You're like, whoa. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, back into it. Yep. Um, but it's it. I mean, it's definitely on trend with the whole. I mean, there's lots of stuff coming out right now that's very handmade tales sort of thing. World's being oppressed by the uprising of conservatism and religious-based morality and stuff like that. So. I mean, it's it's very similar to me. There's her husband gets arrested at the end because he sees something at the office he works at. She doesn't know what happens to him. They nobody knows what happens to the people who get arrested. She ends up going back to the the people she worked with before um, at the sex den to help. Let's see if I can get the cat. You guys keep talking. <laughs> It's a consistent meow now. Never that noisy. That's probably because he hears you talking and he's not going to allow into the room upstairs. Oh, is that what he's doing? Yeah. Oh, he's trying to get away from you, Anthony. Oh, he's hey, that's upset that there's nobody that the door's probably, not open. I smell like my cats too, so <laughs> I'm an invader for sure. Um. Anyway, it's a really good book. I uh, definitely want to see where they take this, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I don't know how, if it's going to be consistently graphic, if that's going to be part of the comic, 
or if it was literally just used at the beginning to show it went from this sort of extreme to this other sort of extreme mm -hmm. without a in-between. The most ironic thing about this book is this organization, had, when they took over the, the sex den, they took the building and turned it into one of their own office buildings that they call the Pleasure Center. So they have a pleasure center, but really it's used to track people's pleasure and mm -hmm. actually they're not having too much of it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the state-sanctioned sex. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, Colosseum. I mean, it always goes back to like the Roman Colosseum. It was like, obviously society is against it, but they're going to revolt if we don't give them at least some of it. So let's have the Colosseum yeah. and the violence is focused around here. But yeah, interesting concept. Um, I read a couple other books. All of them are like twos or threes in the series. I read Kill, uh, Punisher Kill Crew number three, which is still really good. I read Pretty Violent number two, which is still pretty violent. Um. <laughs> I did see number one when I was at Fault of Midnight this week, and I was like, next trip I'm going to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's cute. It's, it's just a little fun tale about this girl who was born into a villain family and wants to be a hero and is bad at it because mm -hmm. she just kills everybody all the time. She can't help it. She's just a murderer. The world user is a super villain because of her collateral damage. Yeah. But she's just doing her best thing. She, well, and it becomes... What more can you expect <laughs> somebody? It, it becomes very clear in this one that she wants to be a hero because she wants the fame mm -hmm. and... It's not altruistic. ...money or whatever that comes with it. And I would argue that being a villain is probably more profitable than being a hero... Although, if you watch, what's the show that we watched on Amazon Prime? Uh, uh, boys? Yes. Yeah, boys, yeah. They're pretty profitable heroes. Yeah. But that's a... They have a marketing team. Well, <laughs> and one can argue that they're not heroes. heroes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one more book, but I'm going to wait for Booze and a Book to do that one. So I guess we could get into a little bit of news. you got to start off with Spider-Man. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. To. So, after we had all finally come to terms with the fact that Spider-Man was no longer going to be part of our loving family at the I'm Marvel... sorry, somebody came to terms with that? Just a minute. I mean, we all kind of came to terms with it, right? We were I, just like, this sucks. Speak for yourself. Well, you can... I was living in denial. It's like when your parents get divorced, right? It sucks, and you wish it didn't happen, but eventually you're just like, well, this is my life now. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. <laughs> you have to face it. No, we're living in my kept paratrapping them <laughs> into my 20s. Yep. That's... I think we need to talk after this. <laughs> thankfully, the, thankfully, the parents got back together. They did. It was just a separation. They did. And, it, and in the, it's an amicable, temporary agreement. They're going on date nights. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They agreed to, to keep the kid until he was 18 and could stand on his own. Yeah. And they were going to stay together until then. I only get two more. Yeah, well, we get one full Spider-Man movie and then one appearance mm -hmm. in, a, in a different property. Which is not, I don't know, not to be crazy, but that's not enough. Yeah, no. But it gives them time, like my perspective on it was, it gives them time to probably figure out something yeah. else. Yeah, it gives them time for Kevin Feige to write Spider-Man out of the Marvel Universe. Maybe. Maybe. Which is most likely what he's going to do. I know that with all the pre 
this news, that a lot of the news was talking about the fact that without Spider-Man, they don't have a heart in the MCU. Like mm. they really, I, I feel like that is what pushed Disney mm. the most towards it is the fact that people weren't super pleased with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. She was set up to be, you know, the new center focus of phase four and five and all this, but it was really Spider-Man that captured the hearts of the fans. Yeah, and his relationship with Tony Stark. Because of Tony yeah. Stark, and you know, such a perfect ending to mm-hmm. Endgame and all that. And then and you're like, to Far From Home, yep. too, where, where it's setting him up to be the next genius of the yep. group. Yeah. So that's, you know, with him being, you know, obviously he's not the eldest. He's not going to be a leader of any sort. But he's going to be kind of that conscious focus where Tony Stark was a little bit harsher but right. he was always the focus pushing the Avengers initiative. Mm-hmm. Now you've got Spider-Man. He's going to be the one pushing. We have to do the right thing. Have to do the right thing. With him gone, and you're like Captain Marvel. It's like I don't know how she would focus stuff. She was just kind of an emotionless tank who would just roll yeah. in and destroy things. And then how would they transfer that into a story to then leading everybody else? I could see them. Difficult. I could see them transitioning her. I think Rocket's going to be the real heart of it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I disagree with the fact that she was emotionless. I feel like while she was under the impression that she was a Cree, yes, that she was. But when she started embracing her humanity, but the fact that she, I think she was, she's very strong. So, which can be misconstrued as emotionless sometimes. Mm. Um, but I think she, I mean, you know, she had a, she had a heart for Fury. Yes. When he Mm -hmm. disappeared, she showed up, she was ready to kick ass and take names. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is no Tom Holland. I will give you that. (laughs) And she didn't have, like, she wasn't featured in Avengers, uh, in that Infinity War. Endgame? (laughs) Endgame. She wasn't featured like Tom Holland was. Well, no, you know, she's like she was off her world She's gone. overpowered. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely an overpowered character. Yeah. If she would have showed up, it would have been a half. She had to show yeah. up. Well, when she did, yeah. Last yeah. Month. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you got every Avenger can't take down the ship, and she shows yeah. up and yeah. one hands it with ease. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, not was, great, right? But <laughs> it was know. fun to watch. It was fun to watch. It was. It was. I think a big part. I think it's the reason that Marvel's been successful, where DC has not in these kind of cinematic universes is the fan they've really reacted and most i mean it seems like they've changed their stories to be like oh fans really want this so let's focus on that thing you know originally iron man you start introducing all these characters fans are like we really love you know if you look at the twitter and tumblr and mm-hmm. facebook all the social sphere and you see that people are really MySpace focused back in 2008 yep. <laughs> people are really focused on uh robert downey jr specifically yeah. Yeah. so they're like okay put him in the center here of the story yeah you know the comic story he is not the center right you know, iron man is not so no. no specifically with this work with i think that's where their struggle will be with captain marvel being the center Except now that we have Tom Holland back, we can transition to really anybody. They can use a movie and a half, a movie and an appearance mm-hmm. to hand the reins off. I mean, they did a great job. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> I think Groot would be good. In the comics now, he speaks 
more than just saying I am Groot. Oh, really? Yeah. You see to put subtitles on the screen, you're good. He's I, was I will be Groot. I can see Drax the Destroyer really yeah. taking hold of that heart of the group sort of thing. It's that, that, flaw, that fearless logic that yeah. he lives by. You know, people might not like him, but he, he's a great leader for being willing to do the hard stuff. <laughs> I think he's entirely lovable. Um, switching gears to something that people are less excited about? I guess, no. There's probably just as much excitement, but it's different. So the Joker movie comes out next week. I'm very excited to see this movie. Joaquin Phoenix, although I kind of hate him as a person. <laughs> it's because he's such a good actor, and I don't know, I guess I don't know who he is as a person, because every time you see him, he's like... <laughs> in a role and he's a method actor so he's like fully in he becomes that person the role, yeah, takes on their which personality. is scary that he's doing the joker because I, I don't know what that means into mass murder. i mean maybe you never know how much of the joker gets out that's the question but that see this is the this is the controversy not with joaquin phoenix but with people in general right that this movie is going to wake something up in you men, specifically. That so, lizard brain coming back. <laughs> yeah. And it's it. going to create this movement of people who are going to mirror this movie and just kill people. Only if women wear tight shirts. <laughs> I think that's really, that's probably what we'll see in the movie, is that the Joker turned to the Joker because of tight shirts. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, the... The shorts. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, um... U.S. Army? I can't remember what, what division of the military it was. Oh, yeah, U.S. Army. The LAPD, um, police departments everywhere have warned theaters yeah. that something might happen. So you guys should, should increase security. Hey, don't well, thanks. <laughs> what do you think at this point theaters are just like, yeah, we think about that every day. Well, I mean, especially, I, I know that a big part of this is the Batman. Yeah. Christian Bale Batman shooting that happened. I forget which theater. Aurora. 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 Yep. Aurora. Yeah. That's, you know. Yeah, they're not even showing this movie. Especially yet. of, you know, and that I get. I get that they're not going to show it at that theater. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a history there, and that would seem insensitive to the yeah. local populace because that was pretty impactful to the local people. It wasn't like one person died and mm -hmm. one family was affected. There was a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the thing, is the thing, oh, it's going to give the crazies legitimacy to come yeah. out and do whatever they want. Which is weird to me, because as far as, like, last I heard, the guy didn't even know what movie he was going into. Like, I get it, in, in that city, like, that totally makes sense in that city, but the, the idea that just because this happened at another Joker movie. It wasn't, or it the Joker wasn't even movie. a Joker movie. It was, it was the Spain movie, was the which one could argue nobody knew what he was saying anyway, so yeah. how could you rise to his <laughs> <Yeah>. level? <laughs> the, the argument that that's, it's just because of the Violet movie or something like that, it, didn't, it could have been a rom-com that he had walked into, yeah. as far as I'm aware. So, I think it's just, uh, I, I think it's a, I don't think it's going to inspire People yeah. to all of, a sudden, all of a sudden become violent. Violent people are going to be violent. Right. Yeah. And they're, like you're saying, even if he picked that movie for some poetic reason, mm -hmm. th that guy would have picked some other movie for another poetic yeah. reason. Right. It would have been Fast and the Furious or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, who has that been to violence from yeah. that movie? He's making money. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I don't think I don't think we'll see a problem that wouldn't have already appeared. Do you think that this by the way that making these statements is making it worse? Yes, hundred percent. Because now anybody who didn't think about it has. Right. Yeah. That's you know? true. And if you're a crazy person who's like um, maybe looking for that poetic nature, oh, now you've been told yeah. what would, what people would respond to. Because it's kind of like preconditioning, self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. You're preconditioned that people are already reacting to it, and I haven't even done it yet. Mm-hmm. So what if I do it now? Then people definitely react to it, which is a lot of what uh, those kind of situations are. Someone reaching out yeah. violently for attention or yeah. whatever. So. Um, yeah, I think it's stupid that people are maybe. I think it's totally fine that Aurora's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a history there, but we've seen worse movies. I know this is Joker, and I don't I know, know if it's the stigma of nerds being crazy people, and mm-hmm. you know, it's all the nerds and their crazy fanaticism for stuff is what leads to these things. But I don't know if that stigma's part of it. Yeah, it seems like a weird thing to be wary of. And again, it happened once because it's an enclosed space, people can't escape, and uh, there's a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Real easy for a shooter to do something. Uh, why not Endgame? Yeah, right. I, I had to park like two blocks away from the theater mm-hmm. to see an Endgame yeah. movie that I bought the tickets well ahead of. Yeah. So it's like, that would've been a great opportunity, and there's plenty of, Thanos is a great person, and you like cut half the people, there's a poetic yeah. nature, so. Yeah, people will, will find it anyway. And yep. it's not like, I mean, we've seen the Joker before, right? We've had two other Batman movies with the Joker in it. And I don't know if maybe this one is because it's supposed to be more realistic. Where, and I don't mean, like, most people haven't even seen the movie yet. We're already yeah. making this assumption. I think it's that, just oh, the that's, trailers. That's yeah. what always bothers me about critiques. Um, not only, yeah, not only about the shooting, but like, about what it will do to right. people and stuff like that. What yeah. it will do to men. It's like, well, you haven't seen it yet. You have no idea right. what the content is. They said the same thing with Dogma, and then it had a rubber poop monster in it. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> but the previews are cut, or the trailers are cut in a way to make it look like he's treated in such a way that it moves him to violence. But we don't know. I mean, I've been mistreated in my life. Everyone has by somebody somewhere, by bullies or anything like that, and I don't wake up one morning and go... 99.9% don't. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you go on the internet and you're going to find people talking about this and how they how it connects to them in a spiritual level or some bullshit like that, but... I think it's the, I think that's probably... People. One, media's going to do it for the sensational. They yeah. realize mm-hmm. it can be sensational. And then it scares the... Uh, parents and grandparents who are watching that news and like the joker's coming out it's like listen the joker has been in like six movies in the last 10 years right so the joker is not a new character and but i do think that's the thing is that it i mean when you show the trailers it's joaquin doing the stereotypical crazy person Mm -hmm. running his hands over his face and i'm a crazy clown guy you know (laughs) and it is realistic you don't see flying bats you right. know, Superman and things like that. It's yeah. just him getting beat up in an alley by thugs. It looks like a Scorsese movie. Yeah. Which is, it's not really, but. Well, it's... and Scorsese movies are. And no, and he, he produced it, but I mean, his movies are are violent. Yeah. All of them are violent. Yeah. All of his movies are violent. Yeah. And they're full of realistic sort of characters right. that yeah. people can be 
mirrored, but nobody's the walking one, around trying has, to be Robert De Niro. Yeah, the one he has <laughs> coming out in uh, on Netflix pretty soon. That's gonna probably be just right. as violent as this. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, people... It's just because Joaquin Phoenix is such a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. too convincing. Yeah. I do to like his violence. laugh yeah. in the trailer. Mm-hmm. His laugh is yeah. on point for the Joker. He's like... He's, he's a... Would you want him crazy. to do the voice acting for him going forward? That's what, the, that's what that's I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to yeah. go to this movie and be like, I don't feel like there's been a great successor to Mark Hamill. Mm. I mean, it, it doesn't help that I grew up with Mark Hamill's right. voice. Yeah. And so, and he's still alive. Yep, he yeah. can still do it. He so still dies. <laughs> he's still around. Come on, Mark. <laughs> what's weird is by the time he does die, we'll have perfected audio yeah. replication yeah. technology to just the point where we can still be forever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. That's just the voice. I mean, there's so much character to Mark Hamill's Joker. So I'm mm-hmm. curious. I'm keeping an ear out for could someone else fill in the role mm-hmm. as the Joker as a voice because. Somewhere, someone that could, when I listen to the Joker, I hear his voice. Like when I listen to the Joker in movies and it's not Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. I'm like, this seems wrong. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't seem like the Joker, even if it's a great performance. Yeah. Just because I, it's so tied to that character. Mm-hmm. I think I was a fan of Heath Ledger, his voice is the Joker though, but it was definitely so. I don't know if you know about the three Jokers theory. No. Um, so there's this theory in DC that there are three Jokers that exist. I mean, there's multiple Jokers throughout the multiverse. It's the Joker Trinity. But they, well, yeah, they they all fill a Joker archetype, right? And there's yeah. three of them. There's the um, thief slash killer, just like the Jack Nicholson sort of character. Well, there's the mob boss yeah. type character. There's the thief slash killer sort of original Joker character, and then there's the psychopath, the yeah. homicidal mm-hmm. psychopath, which more recently has been the more popular Joker because, I mean, you know, psychopaths, you just never know what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. no motivation there. It creates there. a lot of opportunities for yeah. storytelling without a lot of build-up. Right. Just, right. Oh, he just is crazy, and so he did a crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, Mark Hamill can fill any of those roles in his voice acting, and he has. He's been a multitude of different Jokers, because he did the voice in the uh, video games, as well as the animated series, and just all kinds of reiterations of the Joker all over the place. But then you, when you see somebody and they're the Joker, they, they're only one. They're just one Joker. Mm-hmm. They're one type of Joker. Heath Ledger was a psychopath. Joaquin Phoenix very clearly a psychopath. Yeah. Probably in real life, too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> At least intelligent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. He's an actual psychopath now. And then he'll yeah. <laughs> I hope they find him a new role soon. He needs to do, like, an Air Bud movie. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out. Yeah. Uh, he needs to do a Kevin Smith movie. Where he's like, it's just a pothead. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Jack Nicholson was kind of like the mob bossy yeah. sort of character but I so where, where does Jer- Jared Leto fall into that oh Jared Leto is he's like in his own category he, I think he follows the <laughs> Joker <laughs> I want to say that he falls under the, the mob boss one too when people have described his Joker mm. he does run a crime syndicate in yeah. that movie um, he's just that was just a bad yeah. I like Jared Leto 
used to find him very attractive when he was younger, yeah. thinking of my so-called life. But, <laughs> I mean, he's just, I don't know what's going on with him now. He's like he's trying to be with King Phoenix. Yeah. But he just doesn't have that crazy Phoenix yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like he went and did the Joker for uh, for that movie and then Joaquin Phoenix was just like hold my beer yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, there wasn't much other news that came out this week that I saw um, Stan Lee's daughters trying to sue Pow Entertainment which is the company Stan Lee started a couple decades ago uh, for rights to all of his characters from that um, arguably a very greedy ungrateful little cunt <laughs> this woman is because she was the one that was being accused of abusing him mm. and taking advantage of him when he was older and now that he's dead she's trying to be like all oh, these other people used him mm. and I want stuff back I want his stuff back it's just bitch you lost it for a reason listen <laughs> you don't deserve it. So, but um, DC is signed a partnership with All Elite Wrestling. I'm not a wrestling fan. Anthony, do you watch wrestling? Not really. I have to just. I just live vicariously through Tony. I know, right? I'm gonna have to put wrestling. this one in my pocket for when Tony gets back because and I they don't... paired up with American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> yes, that is the only sports program that Josh and I watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to aspire to be like any athletes, it's the ones where you watch it and you're like, what the fuck yeah. is up with these people? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got. Anthony, you got anything else? Not really. I mean, even in the gaming, the rest of the nerd sphere, not a whole lot happened this yeah. week. Um, I went to my last week I was out because I was in, uh, well, actually, Food poisoning. The week before that, I was out because I was in Virginia visiting a friend. We were playing Borderlands Three, so no. that that was what my hiatus for. The you traveled was. to play Borderlands Three? Not specifically, but mostly yes. Okay. Um, I've actually been taking it easy on the video games when I came back because we played like thirteen hours a day wow. for like six days. We spent one day in D.C. We spent a couple nights going out, getting dinner, viewing the town that he lives in. Um, this is a friend that. We actually originally met gaming about 11 years ago. Doink, he recruited us for his uh, clan of gamers. And so we played competitive first-person shooters for hmm. a year and a half or so. And then hmm. that kind of phased out. We just stayed friends. So he got married last year. It was the first time we visited him in his home. And then uh, this year, we just went back for a little vacation. Visit, do the D.C. thing. He lives real close to D.C. So I like how this is the new version of yeah i was in a band yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, i play competitive FPS. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true we used to do the youtube channel together yeah uh now we're just old together yeah yeah that's what it's starting into we're like you know because they'll be like oh you guys want to game tonight be like oh i can't like my knees yeah you know? <laughs> my knees are flaring up so like and they'd be like oh yeah my shoulders hurt a little bit yeah <laughs> It's like that with podcasting, too. Yep. Yeah. I'm just going to take some CBD oil and go to bed early. <laughs> go to bed at 5 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep for 13 hours. And yeah. Maybe I'll finally be rested for work on a Monday. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well, we missed you. It's ha I'm glad to be back. It's, yeah. I'm uh, getting back into the norm. It was fun uh, being away. We actually, uh, last 
not yesterday, last Saturday, but the previous last Saturday, had a golf fundraiser event. Mm. That's where the food poisoning came from. Mm. The barbecue ah. that we had at the end of that. So it was a very bad night and bad morning. Yeah. Saturday night, Sunday morning. Yeah. So I had, you know they say food poisoning takes 24 hours. Yes, and it did. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, upset my stomach very quickly and then lasted through the whole yeah. thing. Oh. I was just like, ugh. I'm glad you did not come to the podcast. No. <laughs> yeah. I would have been groaning a lot. <laughs> I mean, the Tony normally makes weird noises. So yeah. it would have just been... Disastrous. Yeah. Uh, all right, booze in a book, Ben. We'll move on, finally, to booze in a book. Uh, so I read a DC Black Label book this week called Harleen. I'll give you a guess on what it's about. Harleen Quinzel. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, so this book takes place before she becomes Harley Quinn. Um, and it starts with her as a psychiatrist. She's trying to sell this idea that... The reason why people become violent is because... Take shirts. Yes. No. (laughs) Because of... um, Because your brain... If you're put up against violence or into a situation where you are in danger for an extended period of time, your brain goes into a protective mode that shuts off your empathy. And she specifically was doing this study with people in the military. And like they show one of her interviews at the beginning where she's talking to this guy who had been in a war zone for like a couple years. And he said at the beginning, you know, the rules were no women, no children. And he was like, until my friend and I were at a bar one night and a woman was hitting on him. And then all of a sudden she took out a knife and slit his throat. He's like, and then after that, it was like everyone for themselves sort of thing. Women and children are up for grabs in the killing sort of thing. And she are, she's arguing, as a psychiatrist, that because of the protective state that his body had to go into to keep from somebody from slitting his throat, that the empathy part of the brain gets turned off so that you don't feel bad about mm-hmm. killing people you normally wouldn't kill. And so she's trying to do this study on criminals to see if this is true. Because it makes sense in war zones, but what about people who aren't in a war zone legitimately? And she thinks Gotham, of course, is the perfect situation for that because Gotham streets are like a war zone. Mm -hmm. Constantly. So she ends up getting backed by the Wayne Foundation, of course, right? They, that asshole's throwing his mouth at everything. Um, and throughout this, she ends up running into the Joker on the street where he's robbing a munitions factory and the, it blows up right in front of her and he points a gun at her and then decides to let her go and they have like this weird like moment, like this connection weird um and then she ends up going to arkham to do interviews with all these criminals and he's of course there because that's where he's always at if he's Mm -hmm. not on the streets they really need to fix their problem there (laughs) but um and she she tries really hard to not have to interview him because of her past 
experience with him. She's been having nightmares ever since she met him and stuff like that. Um, but she ends up having to do it. Does it seem to be like that pre-obsessive because that's always been the concept is that she has that, you know, it's almost like it starts out negative, but it's been so possessive of her mind that it turns Well, she literally, like, one of the last things, and he doesn't even say it to her. He says it to one of his henchmen when they get in the van. He goes, the guy goes, why'd you let her go? And he goes, it's okay. She'll be seeing me in her dreams. And literally every night she has dreams about him. Mm-hmm. And they're scary, but, like, she kind of gets to the point where she's used to him. Yep. And at the very beginning she talks about how... She's having the nightmare again, but this time it's reversed where Bat- Batman shows up because he shows up and beginning to fight him. Batman shows up and he's like the horror type character and Joker's the scared person in like the mm. middle that she has to protect from Batman. And at the end of the dream, she tells Batman to go away and Batman's like, well, it's, it's on your hands now, basically. Mm. So there is a little bit of a, and there's, they very subtly, and I appreciated this about the writing, very subtly put in like that connection so it's not like she sees him and she's instantly obsessed with him she is scared of him but sometimes fear can well, i think that's the thing is that turn into attraction you get used to it yeah so it's you're still afraid of that guy but you're used to the fear and then joker being joker is an expert in manipulation oh. so he's able to take for sure that little you know it's like inception that little tiny seed of the concept yeah and then as soon as i'm sure you said it ends with the interview like the interview begins yeah and i'm yeah. sure issue two will show that he's gonna pick up on it oh like, sure oh well he he um when he sees her it's like a very silence of the lamb sort of moment where he's behind this glass mm-hmm. and she's standing in front of him and he's like i feel like i know you from somewhere and then he does something to make her scared she gets like the fear in her eyes. He's like, Oh, now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> now I remember who you are. Classic joke. Now that the fear is there. So it's a very good book. I have a love hate relationship with Harley as a character because of the way she is written to mm-hmm. be like very dependent and in love with this person who is so just extremely abusive to everyone in his life, let alone her. And how much she does for him as a character, and how he just doesn't give a fuck about it at all. Mm-hmm. Which was in the Suicide Squad movie, it was something they actually tackled a little bit. Where, But then at the end, he showed up and saved her. Right? <laughs> I mean, a white knight. Yeah, he always, it's like, even in all the comics, it's always one of those things where, like, the rational mind in her ends up processing the fact that this is not a situation she wants to be in and she finally gets to the point where she doesn't want to do it anymore and then he shows up right on and time. totally fucks her up all over again yep. like it's a very traditional abusive relationship but it's very romanticized in this i've seen plenty of memes where it's like fuck romeo and juliet i want to be like harley and joker and i'm like you didn't you just don't want to be <laughs> either one of those things yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sid and nancy yeah yeah um so to the booze, uh, we're pairing that this week with Stockholm Syndrome from, uh, oh, I've lost the page now. Shit. Brass Neck Brewery there you go, yeah. in Vancouver. Um, Harley is fucking definitely suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Yep. And she's not yet in this book, but it's being told from the point of view of Harley. Like she's back telling her story. So. She knows that what she's going to become. Mm-hmm. Does it start out as 
her present day and then does like that flashback transition into it's, that? Well, it doesn't even show her, but you can tell from the narrative okay. that that's what okay. it is. And um, it's just, she knows. She knows it's not going to work out well for her, but she fucking she does it anyway. She's just, she's such a smart character. Like, uh, you know, it's, originally. I think that's the part. I, I don't like as much of like that romantic piece between uh, between her and the Joker. I really like when they utilize the fact that she's an exceptionally intelligent mm-hmm. person and her desire to fix him overwhelms the rationality and then that's what the Joker manipulates off of. Not so much as it, because it is an abusive relationship and you have you can't just hide that fact, but it's when they really focus on the fact that it's not that he has taken control of her, it's that she desperately wants to save him right. and himself yes. using that. So if they if they stick on that fact, then right. good story. The so um, Batman White Knight, the the um, Sean Gordon Murphy book that he wrote last year. Actually, in that book, there are two Harleys. There's the original Harley and Quinzel, and then there's this newer Harley, which is very reminiscent of the modern Harley with the. Mm pigtails and the short skirt Booty and shorts. Like that where the yeah where the original one was in like the harlequin outfit and stuff right. like that that's why the joker was insane yeah <laughs> it was booty shorts and harlequin outfits yes because he wasn't insane before he no, met her. it was the spandex right? it was actually that first encounter we just saw it the creation of the joker yeah he ran he's like ah spandex and his brain just turned off he's like i guess i gotta kill people <laughs> Turns into walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Instantly. No, yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. Anybody else? No, it's been pretty, fairly quiet week this week yeah. as far as things going on. So. All right. Well, Tony's off for one more week, so hopefully it'll be the gang, this gang again in studio, whatever the fuck this is, Lindsay's house. <laughs> studio Lindsay's house. Who's house? <laughs> Um, if you see Charles, make sure to send him his way. We'd like to have him next Sunday. Yeah. So. He's he's like our little piece of madness. Yeah. Right? He just throws wrenches into all the conversations <laughs> and it makes things really interesting. Yeah, you got it keeps you lively, it keeps you fresh. It is. Once you get used to that chaos, it like you miss it when it's gone. You do. So come yeah. back, Charles. You yeah. like get things done on time. He's like our joker. I was gonna say, I think you guys have stock <laughs> Listen, you don't know him like I know him. He loves me deep down. Stay thirsty for our next therapy session. Indeed.